Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast, episode 15-5, which is a real number of a real podcast, and I'm sticking by it. Numbers name, getting up there. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Every week we hang out and listen to great video game music of all generations and all consoles, and we listen to remixes, and we listen to arrangements, and we listen, and we, and there's music per now, there's music everywhere. And every once in a while, we also seem to learn how to count higher and higher every time. Yeah, but I can only get to 10. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that I stop. Uh, no, I'm, I'm up to 15, so. Okay, oh uh, yeah, 15's on there. Um, I think this is episode 146, which is a strange thought, like, I it's one of those was like you never foresee that happening, mm-hmm. but then you get there and you're like, there's so much more. We can do another hundred. Easy. All right. So before we begin, I have to say um, November 3rd, which is a Saturday at Thy Geekdom Con 2018. This is the fifth convention of just general geekness. So video games, cosplay, and anime, and cosplay, and more cosplay. There's a lot of costumes. Um, last year we were there and it was just... I felt out of place that we weren't dressed up. It was I felt insane. naked for wearing jeans. I felt naked for not wearing pants. It was crazy. There it is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we'll be there at 6.30 p.m. in the um, panel room A on November 3rd, which is Saturday at Thy Geekdom Con. It's at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks, Pennsylvania. It should make for a good time. Uh, bring a smile, but if not a smile, bring a Coke. Or bring a beer for Rob. Uh, yeah, only for Rob. Only for Rob. But Pernell's bring wine back. for bring me. Bring it for Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Pernell's not cutting down. Uh, drinking all of them. Um, so that's good. And then the following week, November 10th, Saturday, we are doing, what is it, Pernell? The Extra Life Charity, in which case... Games will be played over the course of 24 hours, hopefully with as minimal suffering as possible, but you never know, because game suggestions will be coming down the pike from individuals like you, hopefully, dependent on just general donations. So the idea is you go to www.extra-life.org, and our team name is Rhythm and Pixels, and just drop a donation, no matter how small or large, it helps out going to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and... As a means of which to do that, that is why this is the playing is going to happen because I'm not really big on these kinds of things. Never have been. No, we're going to have a good time. But though. We're going to have fun. I'm not usually up that for that length of time, and so it's going to get really weird. And we're going to have most of it live streamed. Um, we'll see how Pernell's internet holds up. Um, and then one last thing: if you are a Patreon member, um, next week. Actually, no, it would be this week, this coming Thursday, uh, we're doing a live stream recording of the episode. It's going to be Halloween spooky stuff. So if you have any suggested tracks or games, let us know and we'll we'll get into it. And suffice it to say, knowing that since you've probably heard our, some of our previous Halloween episodes, you know that Rob and I have typical styles of what we choose. So this is your chance to say it can be scarier outside of Silent Hill or Resident Evil or Dead Space or um, Cooking Mama. It can be scary in all <laughs> kinds of ways. You just got to take a listen like this crazy track. So. You know what's terrifying for now? We've had people on the line this whole time listening to us. It's coming from inside. It's coming from inside the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us this week, we have members of Night of the Round. Coupo. Coupo. We have Justin and Adam. Thank you both for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for having us on. 
Um, Justin, can you uh, maybe uh, start and lead us off with uh, tell us about tell us a bit about the band and about what you do in the band, and then Adam, why don't you follow up? Yeah, right on. So, uh, Night of the Round is a Final Fantasy themed metal band. Essentially, it's the easiest way to put it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I am the founding member, and I play guitar in the live band. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm Adam Payne, and I I am the uh, bassist in the live band, and uh, yeah, happy to be here. And I'm Pernell. I'm the listener in the main band. Yeah, yeah, we're we're the we're the listening audience. We're really we're really excited to have you on the show. Um, I've heard you guys play live at too many games, and my my face was half melted off. The other face was just smiling really, really, really brightly. And you guys have a, an album that has just been released. Is that right? Yeah, um, just came out on Friday. Uh, that's our fourth full-length album. Um, we've been... Well, the project's been around for a little over 10 years, but the live band uh, and I guess the current uh, version of the band um, has been around for a little over six years, almost seven years. And nice. we put out four, four, four full-length albums and uh, an EP and a single. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Friends sticking together, playing music designed to melt faces and melt some hearts. And <laughs> melt hearts. have a good time. We're here, we're here for the hearts, man. That's we're, we're here for hugs and high fives and fun time and head banging until your head falls right off your shoulders. Yeah, that's right. What and, people don't know is that you're using the hearts to spend on uh, throwing daggers. And and then throwing axes. I'm making a Castlevania joke. Hey, Dude, I'm already in corporal weaponry, man. Like that, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in a different dimension. I'm more dead space at this point in my career. Yes, sweet, sweet dead space. Please come back. Just that's just my that's my monthly request for them to bring that series back. So, I don't know. I got a feeling. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was gonna say I have a feeling if they did bring back dead space, it would be worse than three. I don't know. I think they should just. I think they should just let it let it rest. Personal personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see them do something good with it, but they won't. So you yeah, know, that's exactly. the sad part. Like I could, say, I agree with you guys in the sense, like my my belief that they'll do it justice is kind of low. But there's that small part of it's like if you if you can actually conclude the darn storyline, I'll take that risk. I just want it to wrap up. It's the same dilemma that Resident Evil faces, where it's like it had good times, it had bad times. But through all of it, it had the exact same plot line. So we never got <laughs> yeah. a conclusion. After, what, it came out like 96? I was like, I need a resolution. I need... I, yeah, it's like, come on. You got to the point where Wesker is throwing missiles with his bare hands. I just want to know. I want closure. And, and, and now we're back in, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And like, somehow Mila Jovovich is involved. And now she's in Monster Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I haven't even played through seven yet. Like, that's one of my games of the month for Halloween month or whatever. Really good. But, like... It's really good. But I was kind of excited for this, like, Resident Evil 7. It's like they're going away from the main story. Maybe they ain't wrapping up, but at least they're starting something new. And then a friend who beat it was like, I don't mean to alarm you, Purnell. But Umbrella might have something to do with it. <laughs> no! Keep them out! I'm done! I'm done with Umbrella! Umbrella, Umbrella, Umbrella! I'm done! Umbrella, Umbrella, Umbrella. Hello, hello. So, this week, we are going to talk about games that we like. Games nostalgia. That, nostalgia. This is... This, we, we've had a, we've had one or two episodes that were... That we just dubbed Nostalgia Trips. It was We called it just Memories. Things like that. But, you know, we're just a... a, a, a 
good just a good group of dudes hanging out talking about gaming game good games gone by and gone. the memories that are associated with them yeah um and definitely we have some great memories of final fantasy's past oh yeah oh um, yeah and we have great memories of all sorts of games and Pernell, my set list you have not seen i have not it's weird it doesn't have DDR in it. <laughs> no, there's no DDR in it, surprisingly. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but, let's, uh-huh. but let's start. It's <laughs> <laughs> not too late. You can throw it in the mix. You're going to hear Rhythm and Police over and over again. <laughs> That's R&P, right? Just hey. Captain Jack on repeat. <laughs> Forever. Well, well. <laughs> uh, so let's start with uh, music from Night of the Round. So each of you brought two tracks. So we're going to have a, a bit of a longer episode this week so what's the first track from justin um which one would you like to go with first uh, are you talking vgm tracks yeah correct? we're talking about original video game music so yeah. we're gonna play those um, first yeah you know what let's start with the song that i don't i don't people always ask like what what made me start you know the band and what led me to create these the covers and all that and if there was one song in particular it would probably be the Shinra Company Ooh. theme from Final Fantasy VII, because uh, I, I don't even know why. I like <laughs> it's a very good song, of course. Yeah, Where but there was something uh, about that song that, like, that's the song that I heard, you know, four years after I finished Final Fantasy VII, and it struck that chord with me that, like, it immediately brought me back. Like, I know exactly where I was when I was doing my first playthrough of final fantasy 7 you know it's it's the song that essentially uh made me appreciate video game music mm. well, after, all of video game music absolutely. well after the track plays we're going to test you on where you were when you first <laughs> played this game no that's that's a good question i mean um the, the 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 time of your the time the time that you were in your life like uh as as growing into an adult um really um the, the, the games had an impact on that part of your life. It changed how you grew, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it stunted my growth. <laughs> no, it did not burn out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's listen to this track. This is the Shinra Company from Final Fantasy VII for the Sony PlayStation, composed by none other than Nobuo Uematsu. It's the Shinra Company. <laughs>
Alright, you're listening to The Shinra Company from Final Fantasy VII for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Nobuo Uematsu. Um, and this one was chosen by Justin from the band Night of the Round. This track yeah, is y- the very it, the epiphany of corporate evil magistrate <laughs> right here. Yeah, you, you came in with some heaviness like right away. Oh, man. Man, yeah, I got was... goosebumps immediately as soon as that first kick drum hits. Like, I actually got, like, goose flash on my arms. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love how he chose to limit himself when he wrote this soundtrack. Because, you know, it was on the PlayStation. He could have had a full orchestra if he, <laughs> you know, if, if the means were were there, you know. But the fact that he limited himself, I think, got to bring out, you know, his best traits, which is kind of that, like, beauty and simplicity type thing that he's he's best known for. You know, I think, though, on this, one of the things that makes it so special with Final Fantasy VII specifically, and, like, I would have chosen something from this game, but I kind of had a, had a feeling that someone on the show probably would, based on the fact that we were guests, um, because this is definitely, like, a high-impact game for a lot of us, you know, but I think that one of the things that makes it special is the world of Final Fantasy VII is kind of this, like, deprived, you know, every everyone is struggling in some way, and, like, there's very little balance, and even the people in power are kind of uh, they, they don't seem to have everything together in their lives and so like there's this despair to the music that I think shows through through the just how selective he was in the way he did a lot of these arrangements because like Justin just said it sounded it sounds huge but it's sparse and it's it, you it's know at the same five time notes like yeah that, that melody insane. is five notes and it's insane. It, it changes keys but it's five notes, it's five notes. but it's perfect well, it's amazing because, yeah. like, the percussion is just like the the boom, boom, clap, and but then all of a sudden, the, this militaristic snare is like, and then all yeah. of a sudden, like, the voices get higher, and then like that violin comes up, up at the end, and we're like, oh, it's so sad too. Did you just kind of picture the Shinra staff standing around a boardroom discussing yearly profits to this music playing, <laughs> the in, the background. playing in the background? Everything's great, guys. We're up fifty-two percent. I don't even; these aren't even real numbers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to celebrate this year at the company picnic. We're going to have the good ice cream cake, not that crap from Benjamin's. We're getting the real right, deal. Right. And the good chicken fingers, not the crappy ones. <laughs> exactly. And now for a message from HR. <laughs> Fill out your health insurance premium packages because as the, as the open enrollment ends in exactly two weeks, we're not going to open it back up. So once you're out, you're out. Heroes tend to come through here at an alarming rate these days. All right, promise you need to be shored up. <laughs> shored up. <laughs> All right, uh, Justin. So, uh, uh, where were you when Final Fantasy VII entered your life? Um, I can't remember the game that uh, had the Final Fantasy VII uh, demo packaged with it. Mm. Um, but. I was familiar with, you know, with two and three, well, four and six or whatever uh, on the Super Nintendo. But uh, I was like, I don't know. I always tell people that I wasn't like, uh, I don't know. I I was a bad gamer. (laughs) (laughs) I I was not I was not able to to appreciate the Final Fantasy games uh, when I was as young as I was. Um, Yeah. yeah. But my older brother always thought they were cool. Um, So I'd watch him play them for a little bit. But it was around the time that seven came out that I don't know something about it. It just it blew my mind. Um, 
it was, oh, yeah, it was just more accessible too. So if you were to try to play it, that would be like a good one to get started mm-hmm. on too. No, I, I had the same experience because I wasn't really excited about RPGs um, at all during like the Genesis or Super Nintendo era, and then even through most of the PlayStation era, I didn't really dip my toes into it. But my older brother played through seven and eight, and I loved watching him play through it. And I had friends in the high school that were playing through Final Fantasy VII when it came out. And my first reaction was, you don't control the characters? Like, <laughs> it's like, which is like, you know, you, you think about it now, but like, RPGs were still kind of a new concept to a wider audience. But that's where 7 yeah. was so spectacular. Like, to give a perspective, when this game came out, my brother was going to, go to start going to school in New Orleans, Louisiana, and he didn't play RPGs, like, at all. But the Final Fantasy VII powerhouse marketing campaign whooped the tar out of him, <laughs> and he just had to see what all the fuss was about. So he bought us, bought a strategy guide. He bought a copy of the game and had it mailed down to him at the college. And oh, he yeah. and I would talk about it back and forth on the regular. This was like his first attempt to understand. So if I hit attack, the guy will slash, and he goes <laughs> back to his place in line. What is going on here? <laughs> just run with it. It's, this is how it works. Yeah. It's a numbers game, man. Man, you know, I have the my experience with Final Fantasy seven is is I've never heard anybody who kind of did what I did with it. So I want to share it because I think that listeners might think this is cool. So um, I couldn't like growing up, I didn't have a lot. So like I didn't get a PlayStation until well after it was released. And I got Final Fantasy seven, like no less than a year after it came out. And I think I was maybe in the sixth grade. And at this point in time, my sister is about four years older than me. So she would babysit my friends and I, you know, even though we had just entered middle school and I saved up all my money and I bought a PlayStation and Final Fantasy seven and both of the strategy guides, the unofficial one and the Prima one. Yes. And, and the way this worked was like, multiple times per week my friends and i would all be in the same place so we played the entire game of final fantasy 7 from beginning to end as couch co-op nice. whoa love it that sounds like every place yeah and and to this day that group of people will still get together like when everybody's home for you know for a holiday break or like during the time that we were all in college maybe 10 years ago mm-hmm. we would get together over the summers when people were on breaks and like do gauntlet runs like try to do like race each other for 100 <laughs> percent. i love it um, yeah, and, it, and it's like a huge bonding thing for those friends. So, and it was special. You know, I'd never experienced anything like that. Oh, that's, that's amazing. That, like, a, a solo, you know, linear RPG experience brings a lot of people together at the same time as, as a community game. It, I mean, imagine like four, four sixth grade boys crying together when the terrible thing happens. Yeah. You know, which I still will not spoil for people, you yeah, know, because some of your cycle broke down on the side of the highway. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, imagine that, you know, you know, you're you're 10, you know, you're you're a 10 year old boy and you're, you know, and then like, you know, you're just trying to figure the world out a little bit. And this is definitely a lot heavier than a 10 year old needs to be, you know, ingesting, you know, or an 11 year old or whatever you are when you're in the sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. So, like, you know, to be able to, like, be emotionally vulnerable through that, like, really sad thing with your friends, it was really special, man. And then to realize that you lost that invincibility limit break to go with it, it was just like, what the heck? I just got it. Oh, oh man, for sure. Yeah, there's always like that the initial emotional response and then there's the practical oh crap i like i could have sold off all of that armor they didn't give the gear back or nothing <laughs> they just let us ride i could i could have mourned with that well if you don't mind um let's listen to some more music so adam why don't we flip the script and you brought two tracks for us um do you yeah. remember, do you remember which ones you brought 
I do. Um, so the first one I want to play is the song that got me into video game music. And I, what I mean by that is it was the first time that I like looked at video games as more than like just an entertainment thing. Like there, like, or I guess more than just a game, like there was, there was, you know, a story and, and, you know, that. And then, um, so my song that I chose is the title theme for Mega Man three. Um, because very much like Justin, like that was like the formative punch in the head for me. And I could have said final fantasy seven, but this is, if this isn't number one, it's tied for it. Absolutely. This is the title screen from Mega Man three for the Nintendo entertainment system composed by Harumi Fujita and Yasuaki Fujita credited as bun bun. So here we go. <laughs> bun bun. Bun bun. You are listening to the title theme, the title screen for Mega Man 3, Rockman 3, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, composed by Harumi Fujita and Yasuaki Fujita, credited in the game as Bun Bun, Bun Bun, chosen by Adam from Night of the Round. Adam, this is like, this is classic upon classic. This is, for me, this is like Mario 1-1, you know, like I think of video game music and how good it can be. I think of this. So yeah. Um, yeah. So what? 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 Made, what else made you want to pick this song? Like, do you have like a, a Mega Man, like a favorite Mega Man memory? Yeah, man. So like, like I said before, you know, like growing up, I really didn't have a lot, and um, so renting games was kind of the thing with my family because it was like an inexpensive way for us to use the secondhand Nintendo my dad bought from a coworker or whatever would have happened, you know, um, and and basically in order for me to get new video games, like as a child, I had like, my dad would look for them in the classifieds in the newspaper and buy everything secondhand, which was kind of hard to do in the early nineties, you know? Um, and the very first video game that I ever owned personally outright was Mega Man three. And my dad bought it on the, uh, you know, he bought it in the classifieds and I had not played any of the other Mega Man games yet. You know, I had a Nintendo, I had like duck hunt or whatever came with it. And I'd rented a few games and played games at my cousin's houses. But the first game that I owned, was Mega Man 3 and it was like it was a reward for getting a great report card or whatever you know so I plugged the game in and the music in Mega Man 3 is like you know a lot of people say that there are better soundtracks but Mega Man 3 is always going to be my favorite Mega Man soundtrack and where you know I would say equivalent to how much of a Final Fantasy dude I am I'm that much of a Mega Man guy Um, Mega Man is my franchise so um 
you know, like one, like the very first thing I did when I bought a guitar was I tried to learn the battle theme from Final Fantasy VII, which I could not play um, and probably still can't play accurately, um, you know, because I'm a lot worse at guitar than I am at, at bass. But um, I will tell you, like, I love this song so much that I've been like for, for like the last four years I've been trying to learn how to play that entire thing on bass as like a sound check <laughs> and I don't have the nerve to like try to do it on stage because uh, it's so hard to play accurately at yeah. the time <laughs> I love that song though man it's just it, it rules it's just it's oh, it's, it's rock and roll on the Nintendo it it's, and, and that's that was Capcom's MO man think about how good Capcom's music was in the 90s it was oh, always yeah. on point though it's always amazing when I think about the Mega Man 3 intro that considering how good it is at least until VGM became a big thing, most players probably never heard it because you typically oh, think you start yeah. the game like yeah. this. Is how I was as a kid, like press start. I want to well, play this, this game. This is this is this is indicative. Of, I didn't mean to cut you off here, but this is this is uh, for a lot of the classic music that we play on the show. It's amazing listening to them all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you end up hitting start so fast. Yeah, like stay <laughs> like stage oh, themes yeah. will loop and they'll loop. But typically, title screen themes, unless you have to wait to see like a story element yeah. or it plays leading into the main game, like Mega Man 4's intro, for example, it starts playing from like the cinema scene that tells you what the story is. Whereas Mega right. Man 3 is like, there's no story, it's just there's Mega Man 3! Well, I think the, the, the opening section where it's, it's slower. And then it has that that awesome like little that little like like kind of the little bluesy intro, little bluesy triplet section right ah. there, um, which I love. But that that is a phrase from the ending theme of Mega Man Two, and it just rolls yes. right into Mega Man. Oh, 3. that's pretty cool. And yeah, that's I cool. never knew that. So, which is amazing. Awesome. So, so right when it part when it goes, it's like yeah, here it comes. It's going to be awesome again, and it is. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, it also um, I'm not sure what the off the top of my head what the correlation is, but it's pretty closely connected to uh, blues or Proto Man's theme, and the idea behind the bluesier elements in Mega Man 3 soundtrack was because blues was introduced as a new character, as like the, you know the edgy protagonist kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. very the first one, you know, who who was left behind by uh, by by the uh, the creator. Um, yeah, he who shall not be named, you know. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. Uh, I do find it interesting. Like this, this has like nostalgia with us too. As far as funny as it goes for this track, well, for me specifically, it would be this was the game that most lends itself to the ad uncle at Nintendo type story. We're at a place, a playground friend who knew that we were all too poor to afford Mega Man Three, but he claimed he had five copies. And that he was going to bring one in for each of us. Eventually, what a bozo! He was quite the jerk, and we were waiting on pins. And he was like, on one hand, you knew he didn't have it, but on the other hand, it was like, but what if he does? And the day you start doubting him is the day he brings him in, and then you don't get one. So we just kept giving him the benefit of the doubt, and it was just frustrating. But I kept waiting, and then when I finally got my own copy, they just waved in his face and said, "Bite me! I'm better than you. I have the game, you liar." Um, and the other thing is that. This is the first and probably only track where Rob and I attempted to collaborate on a VGM remix many moons ago. Whoa, Uh-oh. I don't remember that at all. Exactly, <laughs> because my memory is baller. Uh, so, like, you were, like, showing me how, the, how, like, Reason worked, and you threw up the Mega Man 3 track, and I was like, all right, 
Alright, how stop right here! Okay, you put a drum roll like right here. And he's like, what? I was like, you heard me make it work in reason. Make that sound. <laughs> so he was like trying to like come up with a way to make the drum roll sound that I was wow. playing with my mouth. And then we ran through. I was like, this sounds really good. And I still remember how it went and everything. Wow, that must have been 16 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 2000. Well, if it makes you feel any better, if it makes you feel any better doing the, the trying to uh, make the drum pattern that, with, that you're doing with your mouth, that's what we do sometimes. <laughs> so, like, I mean, if you, if you listen to our songs, there's there's a bit of that going on, you know? So It's like you go to a mechanic and, you're like, my car's making that noise. Can, can you make that noise? <laughs> <laughs> there's always, your like, one guy. sounds like Popeye? Who's like, oh, I know that sound. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny these allegations <laughs> <laughs> all right so Purnell, what is your first track of the night well or this... morning whenever you're listening to <laughs> my first track is going to be a pretty obvious one but i still like telling the story so we're going to go with that all right <laughs> um the track title is from rival school united by fate and the track title is taiyo high school schoolyard and it's composed by setsuo yamamoto Welcome back. You are throwing down in the Tayo High School schoolyard from the game Rival Schools United by Fate, composed by Setsuo Yamamoto. This track, you feel this track in your gut when you <laughs> listen to it. It is perfection in fighting game form. And it's amazing that for the way it makes me feel, it's interesting that the actual track itself is pretty much you is being played over you being the tar out of other teenagers. In the schoolyard, yes. likely with weird, wacky powers. So, like, so one of you said that you're not familiar. One of you said you weren't familiar with rival schools before, man. Yeah, that was me. I'm totally unfamiliar with that. So it's uh, it was a beat 'em up game, like a two on a one, a one v one fighting game. Though I believe you could like have like a backup player in your roster for like after a match or a round was over. Okay, but okay. The idea was that it was a bunch of schools, like high schools, warring against each other. So all the different players typically fulfilled some sort of like archetype. Like there was like the punks, and there was like the, the baseball player, and like later, Steve, I think there was like a volleyball player they added. 
the photography club. They started doing all kinds of crazy <laughs> mess. And then, like, it was funny. They had, like, two U.S. students that were transfers, and they were named, like, conveniently just Roy and Tiffany. And <laughs> Tiffany, in particular, had, like, an actual Stars and Stripes oh, outfit. It was hilarious. They made, they made a reappearance in Street Fighter V. Both of them? Both of them. Actually, yeah, both of them in the background of the uh, Kasunagi uh, beach stage. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's like um, we're still in Japan, still dressed like Americans. Yeah, they're like they're they're in bikinis, jumping up and down, but like they have like these big boxing gloves on that are like red, white, and blue. Yeah, Tiff, yeah, they both wear giant boxing gloves yeah. in the games. It's hilarious. At least I know Tiffany did. I can't remember if Roy did or not. Yeah, so everyone saw that while they were playing, and they were like, "Oh my God, Rival Schools characters! They're going to bring them back!" I'm like, they're not going to put Rival Schools in this yeah, game. Right. Really should. <laughs> yeah, though, we're going to make. A, we're going to put out another high school kid fighting game. That sounds good. Right now, it seems like a great. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, good thing. Maybe they'll spread the message that you shouldn't be fighting in school unless you're capable of charging your power level up to at least three well what yeah down? dude if yeah. you're not if you don't have like an anime anime high school you don't get to fight in high school at all exactly. okay can we make that a rule kids listeners all right, right. no fighting unless you're an anime you get which you're this not level to fight uh, which you are not <laughs> you are not animated you're not drawn but like from the nostalgia level like yeah. rival schools like we were talking earlier about my brother and how like he he and I had very little in common with our gaming taste. He played like the Maddens and the NBA Lives, and I played the Final Fantasies and the Beyond the Beyonds. Don't quote me on that. And um, <laughs> so, out of nowhere, we had this connection of a game in the form of Rival Schools. Because I didn't even play fighting games really, but I loved the idea of like these high school students beating the tar out of each other, <laughs> and I liked how eccentric all the different characters were. So I went out and bought this, and. Uh, he and I would have like head-to-head matches on a consistent basis, and eventually, one of my classmates from college named Mike would come over every once in a while, and it'd be he and I against Darnell and his friend Clarence, and we'd be like tagging off on the controllers, seeing who can whose team can win the most matches. And even before that, when I bought the game, we used to have round robins in the dorm room because this game, the music would just blare down the hallway. People were like someone's playing rival schools, just run down, <laughs> come into the dorm room, pass the controller, we just throw down. This game stands the test of time to me. I loved it. And I also Dude, I got to tell you man, like I have never heard of anybody having like a super lit like rival schools crowd. <laughs> like you're the only other person I've ever spoken to who's played it. <laughs> <laughs> More people need to, man. Like and even the unlocks like the home version of this game, they screwed us in America by removing the board game side game. But the unlockable characters were so absurd. It was like, because the Japanese game, in addition to the board game, they also had like a character creator That's that right. you could make characters in, yeah, but they yeah. cut that from our version. So what they did was they added like 30 unlockable characters that were all made in the character creator with their own combinations of moves. So you were like, <laughs> who's this weird character with the buggy eyes and what can she do? And you're like, time to find out. And you just play these two random yeah. students. And they were like weird combinations of the other characters, like moves thrown together. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that entirely. I, I didn't get into Rival Schools until the Dreamcast um, version of Rival Schools because it was so strange. Yes, Project Justice. Project Justice. Momo. Yeah, had Momo, who was the evil little girl who hit you with a, with a tennis racket. Mm-hmm. And I had that guy who did the, um, I'm not sure, I, mean, I might have missed it when you guys talked about it, but the, uh, uh, he did the synchronized swimming. Yeah, the swimmer. <laughs> that was so weird. It was so weird. They were just, like, they got, I think they actually upped the weirdness factor with the second game. They had the violinist that would play violin and hurt you with the notes. 
And oh, uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. the photographer, her, her super move was like, all of you taking photos with each other, and in the last move, she just like punches you. <laughs> but it was a, a great, it was a great um, uh, uh, game mechanics in that your your assist, your your secondary character, you can bring them out on like the second round of fight, but they could be also be an assist tool during the match to like heal and stuff like that. And it was really yes. really good. I was she, really I into remember Tiffany design. would come in, knock the opponent, yeah. and then she would cheer you on. And like yeah, cheer right. up, cheer up. Or the um, the doctor would come out and she would like like crack your neck and like punch you in the back and you're, like, you're good to go. <laughs> it was such a weird game, man. All right, so my first track, I'm gonna go with my less crazy one. So this is so this is from uh, a series that's really important to me, and that is Wipeout. So this is from Wipeout Three for the Sony PlayStation, and um, so the entire soundtrack, most of it is there are licensed tracks. Uh, selected from uh, a very famous DJ at the time, Sasha. Uh, but Sasha also composed four specific tracks for the game for four different um, car types in the game. So this one is for the car type Icarus, for the Wipeout 3, and it's composed by Sasha.
right, you've been listening to the track Icarus from the game Wipeout 3, and this one's composed by Sasha, and one of four tracks composed by Sasha specifically for the game Wipeout, um, which, I mean, if you played Wipeout 3, the track is from Sasha, and it's called Ec- Expander, and it is, it's like a, one of the first, like, really beautiful, like, tr- house trance like songs I've ever heard. Would you say that? And I still hear it and go like, just fall into it. Remember correctly, Wipeout was a major influence on your taste in the music too. Yeah, it really is. It came out during like the very first one was I guess like in junior high or like sixth grade. And it was like, it was a PC game and it was all done from one composer named Cold Storage. And you can actually put the CD like in a CD player and like listen to the music. Nice. And then everything. And then it was ice. I started to really love electronic music after that because before that I was just like you know just like grunge music and Nirvana and, and I, slowly I, getting into that stuff. And then Wipeout Two or Wipeout Excel came out and it had music that was licensed from all of these amazing like crazy underground British artists that I'd never heard before. And I really started to fall in love with drum and bass and house music. And Wipeout 3 is just an amazing game. I honestly yeah. feel like everybody mm. has what I consider a musical awakening. So yeah. <laughs> prior to the musical awakening, you pretty much found yourself listening to whatever your family listened to first, then whatever your friends listened to. Right. Like for me, growing up, my family listened to a lot of rap and R&B, so of course that's what I listened to a lot, which is why I know a lot of early, like late 80s, early 90s R&B and rap. Then my grades and my high school friends were listening to like Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots and yeah, White Zombie yeah. and all that, so I listened to that along with them. And I was like, this sounds good, but I wouldn't, didn't really care about it. It just sounded good. Then out of nowhere, a friend of mine introduced me to Opeth. That sounds like meth, but Opeth. <laughs> you got into Opeth. <laughs> and out of nowhere, and the reason why he linked me to it is like, you like this E soundtrack. Yeah, why? I love all the guitars and stuff. Well, I got a feeling you'll love this. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that scary growling and stuff. And that's what listened to that. Mm-hmm. And that took me down a rabbit hole that I never left. It just got weirder and weirder. And if you were to ask me to go back and listen to R&B rap now, yeah. I'd be like, nope, not doing it. But I still <laughs> like the stuff from the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, I had a very similar thing where in my house, it was a lot of classic rock, a lot of like 60s, 70s rock music. And then um, and then a lot of my friends were into like the grunge and also like things like Metallica and Def Leppard and a lot, a lot of those types of like heavier bands. I never really fell into it. And then um, electronic music was was gaining popularity in Europe and, and the UK and slowly coming over to the States. And I never really got into it because it was just repetitive and you know I wasn't really old enough to go to raves and stuff like that. But it was kind of, the sound was always interesting to me because I loved 80s pop music. I still do um, in early 90s pop music. But it was like, oh, this is an interesting sound. But then Wipeout really solidified for me. Like, oh, first of all, racing games and this type of music it just goes great together and butter and ham yeah and then it just decided like okay you know what i I like this like this is something for me so um like what about you guys um uh justin or adam like like, yeah what did did you grow up on man i was listening to cornell speak right now and that's he has such a similar musical upbringing that i do (laughs) um up until probably middle school it was strictly hip-hop like that's all my brother listened to so naturally that's you know that's all i listened to uh you know i didn't want to listen to what my parents were listening to because that obviously wasn't cool right so like which is which is a shame because my dad like played exclusively like awesome classic rock you know (laughs) like you know everything from you know from rush to pink floyd and you know but i was like 
you know, I was like, oh, I'm not going to listen to that 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 dad music, you know. So <laughs> dad rock. <laughs> you know, I still so, think I still think of it as like dad rock too. For some reason, I know it's not fair because this music is great. But oh sure, it's it's that part of your of your um, of your childhood. But yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's uh, so I was almost strictly rap uh, up until I discovered Rage Against the Machine, hmm. which opened my eyes to you know heavier things, of course. And then I kind of fell into the new metal trap of the early two thousands. Yeah. Until I just discover, until I discovered better bands and realized that, like, <laughs> oh, okay, this is, I, I actually like, you know, Slayer and Testament and Meshuga and, mm. you know, stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, I think my big musical awakening, like, it was probably Rage Against the Machine. Yes. It's for, for me, <laughs> so mine is kind of funny because, like, for me growing up around the house, like there was always music around the house, but I liked the music that my parents liked. So like, well, for my dad, it was always, you know, like Sabbath and, you know, like just general kind of CCR and whatever, um, whatever rock was on the radio at the time. And my mom was very into like Whitney Houston and Al Green and Mariah Carey and, and, um, Al Green, by the way, dude, I mean, seriously. Right. I mean, and like, Mm -hmm. so like, you know, I was a little kid growing up on this music and I still to this day, like, I have a Whitney Houston t-shirt that I wear very unironically. Like, you know, my, my gym playlist has like four different Mariah Carey songs on it. So like, you know, I've always loved pop music. I, I've never been ashamed of that. So, you know, I, I had that in the house growing up and my sister is four years older than me. And my sister was very into like the pumpkins and, you know, um, Annie DeFranco and Fiona Apple. And I listened to all of that, like everything she had to show me, I wanted to hear it, you know? Um, but I ha- also have a cousin who is the same age as my sister and he was like he went to public school you know and like he was the he was the edgy one bad boy family yeah and and you know not really but you know he 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 had friends who were into stuff that i wasn't into and i really wanted to be in with my cousin's friends because they were the cool kids they skateboarded and stuff you know and like that's the stuff that i was into but i didn't have any friends who were into that at my school so through my cousin i heard there were two bands that i heard very early that are so at odds with each other that it's hard to say this without laughing but like the two bands that he showed me were Corn and Cannibal Corpse (laughs) (laughs) and I mean I still listen to both of those bands on a regular basis now you know Um, and what's funny is like like Justin I got really really into the groovy kind of rappy new metal you know he and I uh, were laughing in the van because our entire band were very unapologetic like there's nothing unironic or there's nothing ironic about liking music you like you know so we were we listen to new metal in the van very very often i think justin would agree um and one of the things that justin and i have in common is if there was no rapper in your new metal band we were not interested in your new metal. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but on the other the side yeah. right right and on the yeah. other side of that though like i got way more into the cannibal corpse side um i got really into extreme music so like mm-hmm. I would say that for me, it was like Deftones, Corn, and then also Cannibal Corpse are probably the Awakening because I am now I'm into even more bizarre experimental music than I was then. But that's something that I just can't shake. You know, I played in a grindcore band for a few years. Um, you know, I like I like music that challenges people. You know, 
Definitely, definitely. The um, I feel like the the, the, the there's a, there was a lot of experimentation in the early 2000s where they're like, what if we mash up these genres? What if we put these two things together? What if we took this washboard yeah. and smacked it against the wall? <laughs> what, yeah, what man. What if we add rap to this, or what if we make techno really hardcore? But then something happened. I think that was important because I, I, after that, I feel like. You know, there's a lot of different genres of metal. There's a lot of different genres of even rap music now. Where I don't have even rap music now, but like, well, I feel like people have kind of centered in on what they like, and they've focused in on one specific part of the genre instead of like trying to um, mash up so many, unless the genre is mash up, and you're, you know, I'm currently trying rap. to remember the name yeah. of that band that Chris Smith got me into. That Chris had, Smith like, some the, crazy stuff. A, Chris Smith is a mutual friend of ours, and he introduced me to the weirder, weirder side of music. He loves uh, Deerhoof. That's who it was. Deerhoof. Oh, brother, if you think Deerhoof is weird, oh, I don't think I'm weird. You should that. start a podcast where I just show you stuff I listen to, and you just react to it. I would like to honestly. Watch that. I might be an episode. You have to send us a bunch of the tracks. Might be like, think this episode, we're going to just talk about this track that I like that we you were sitting. Clip the microphone with Deerhoof. <laughs> But like it's like, but that was the first thing that got me was like that's all. So I was like, candy, candy corn, candy. Like, what is this? <laughs> why is this a song? And why would I turn no, it no, off? No, no. I remember driving up to work and it, with with you in the car, and you're like, no, you gotta put this in, man. This is the new stuff I'm into. And I'm like, yeah, and it's Sonic Coaster Pop. Yes, and man. And it's like 300 beats per minute, and there's like there's like five Japanese girls going. It is the most happiness inducing jam. You sound like me. You sound like me. Uh, I listen to an awful lot of J-pop. And then by the time yes, I got to the April's. got to the office, well, I was like, dude, I'm into it. Yeah, <laughs> Sonic Coaster Pop, the Aprils, plus Tech Squeeze Box, Strawberry Machine Gun, yeah. Yellow Machine Gun. There were two machine guns. Uh, <laughs> it was just a lot of weird music. I got Hysteric Blue. Uh, obviously, what was it? Judy and Mary. Just tons of oh, stuff yeah, yeah. that I just got down with. All right, so... Let's let's continue this this little musical nostalgia trip. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, we're, so we're back to Justin. So Justin, what's your second um, video game music pick for us? This is this is this is a little different because uh, I don't even think Adam knows how dangerous my sports game. <laughs> a sport, a I'm sports, aware. Sports video. Yeah, I I, I can't it's remember if we, if we if yeah, if we've talked about it in the van or not. But um, I purposefully stay away from sports games um i'm I'm a huge hockey fan and a huge baseball fan Mm -hmm. i used to be really big into football too i used to run through um yeah entire seasons multiple seasons of whatever game i was playing uh and that basically started with baseball stars for the nes oh so this is baseball stars this is the the menu theme for Baseball Stars, which is super awesome. Uh, the, I think the game holds up very well. Um, I think a few years ago, I fired up the emulator and and played through like a few tournaments on it. It's still pretty pretty fun. Well, uh, and yeah, yeah, it's the, awesome. Well, this this has an uh, this has a stellar, absolutely stellar composer, Masahiro Iwata. Um, who worked with Hitoshi Sakimoto from Ogre Battle fame? Oh. They formed a they formed a band together called Bass Escape. 
they come up quite a bit on this they show. They come a lot on the show because they worked on the latest Odin Sphere from 2016. Dimpaman? Yep, Dimpaman. Oh, uh, Grand Final Kingdom. Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. Um, what was that one? Grand, Grand, Grand Kingdom. Grand Kingdom was the one I learned who they were. So, like, yeah, these he actually got really heavy. <laughs> but it's really cool to hear these beginnings um, with Baseball Stars. So this is the menu theme from Baseball Stars for the Nintendo Entertainment System, composed by Masaharu Iwata. You're listening to Baseball Stars for the NES. This is Menu Theme, composed by Masaharu Iwata. And yeah, Justin, this is this is certainly catchy. It is a short, 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 short loop, though, from what I'm assuming is a part of the game where you're spending a lot of time. Is that right? Oh, yeah. This is... Uh, the, you hear this more than anything. Because uh, <laughs> if you really want to fully appreciate and fully enjoy Baseball Stars, you had to basically create your own team. And... Um, yeah, it's there's a lot of time spent listening to that that music. I think if if I were to play that song like for my mom, she'd probably like start twitching. <laughs> Get this out of my house. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Like nowadays, if I'm playing, especially if I'm playing like a fighting game or or something like that, if I'm just sitting in front of a playing playing the same game, I, I might actually turn the music down and listen to something else if it's kind of repetitive. Um, but when we were kids, there wasn't usually that option, and so you were listening to that little loop over and over yeah. and you're just you're just and it just becomes part of your musical dna yeah, that, yeah. It, honestly it's that concept stuck with me because to this very day even with access to spotify and music that can play out of my toaster or my refrigerator i still see myself playing a game but it has to have good music if it doesn't have good music I've heard people say, well, just turn it down and play some music. I can't do that. <laughs> it has to be the game's music. I can't substitute it. It's to the just, game. It's, yeah, EA Sports, <laughs> they have no idea how much of an impact they had on me because if it's not That's the game, really I don't want to hear it. Mm. So, like, it's it's really funny. Like, if I, like, I've actually taken games back to the store or ditched them because their OSTs were bad. Wow. That's, I didn't know. Can that, you give me an example? I'm curious of, like, what you disliked enough to stop playing. Well, well, there was this game called Baseball Stars. Oh, you, don't you do that to me! <laughs> oh, you! What a what a punk! <laughs> I had to think about it a little bit more, but I do know that uh, in addition to the fact that it had a little bit of wonkiness to it, there was an old Crave RPG called like Shadow of Darkness or something like that. But I have to look it up. Like Shadow Shadow Madness. Yeah, Shadow, Shadow of Darkness like, is a really fun early PS2 adventure game. Yeah. See, I almost yeah. besmirched a, a different game's name. Uh, Shadow Madness had terrible music. And I didn't want to deal with mm-hmm. it. Took it the heck back to the store. I was like, get this out of my house. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones, but I legit. Oh, there's just, yeah, there's a lo- there's a lot of NES stinker soundtracks out there. I can also Sadly. say that uh, this might be blasphemy for a lot of people, but the new Super Mario Brothers games 
um, yeah. as they persisted with that thing that they do for all their tracks, it took a lot of the drive for me to play those games away too. Because like I love Mario music, I love it so much. I feel like I got tired of they took a lot of the the Mario sixty four soundtrack and sort of like like that was where they were leading off from, you know, rather than no. But Mario sixty four's music was great too. It's just well, to me, it's all. It's just, noise. it's just noise pronounced. <laughs> oh man, you know what's funny about that though is like I'm, I'm so I'm sitting I'm sitting in uh in this room in my in my apartment where I have a bunch of like music gear that I'm not currently using, yeah. and I won't call it storage because someone could speak sleep here if they needed to, but. Um, there are so there i have a couple of synthesizers like on the couch next to me in the room and one of them is a sound engine that was used on super mario 64 no oh wow <laughs> like it's literally the sound bank it's the proteus 2000 by emu like it's really funny but like you're right i i felt the same way about like galaxy and sunshine and even odyssey the soundtrack is very like bubbly and i don't mean bubbly in a poppy way it's like blah, 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 like liquidy and i don't like that weird modulated sound of it that's yeah. interesting where it's like you maybe I mean, you talk about how it's like kind of wobbly and modulated i think oh it's compressed but no this is this is modern you know this is this is streamed audio and funny enough yeah the opposite of that spectrum i can actually play through a game that would have otherwise gotten shelved because the music is so good mm. yeah that, like, oh i've been there yeah like, Beyond the Beyond is an RPG that a lot of people like to talk trash about. And I'll admit, it wasn't the best RPG. It had way too many random encounters. It was fairly mediocre, but it had that Camelot art style and that Motoi Sakuraba composition. Oh, man. And that pushed me through like crazy. I had to hear it. Had to play more of it. It was like, it, it drives you. It, music is a powerful, powerful tool. Well, what would the Madonna say? Music gets the people together. For the very first time. On the, on the dance floor. Um, all right, Adam, we are over to you. What is your second classic cool. game tune? Um, so my second tune is, uh, it's the Chase song from Einhander, nice. um, which is a PS1 game that Squaresoft put out. Um, I I have a lot of reasons to love this song and this game, so uh, I, I just can't wait to listen to it together. All right, cool. This is Chase from Einhander for the Sony PlayStation composed by Kenichiro Fukui.
You're listening to the track titled Chase from the game Einhander for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Kenichiro Fukui. Um, this was chosen by Adam from Night of the Round. Dude, Adam, this is a hit. Like, this is yeah. an absolute hit. I, I am reminded of how awesome Einhander is, and then if I hear the music, I'm like, oh, that's right. It's yeah. real good. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, if you're talking nostalgia, I mean, like Final Fantasy and Mega Man are kind of like franchise nostalgia, but Einhander was like the game that kind of like blew my brains out for the very first time, like totally rocked my world Um, because it was at that like I was at that point where, you know, like there was a certain era where if your band was on a record label, you were automatically cool. And, and Squaresoft was that company like forever, right? Like in the PlayStation era, it was Capcom and Square and everybody else was pretty far, you know, Konami was even probably behind them at some point on the PS one era. Right. So like, so, so, um, you know, they were hyping this, you know, this you know, space space age shooter, you know, whatever, in, in PSN magazine or whatever. And uh, I was just hyped up on it and I bought it the day, day it came out because I loved all the all the preview art that I was seeing spoiled for it. And uh, what's really interesting, there's a couple things about this song that are awesome. And one of them just kind of spontaneously happened during this conversation. So the first thing that's awesome about this about this song is that this soundtrack was as we said, uh, composed by Kenichiro Fukui, um, who later went on to, um, you know, he worked on a couple of relatively unimportant square titles for PS1, like G.I. Joe and like Violent Storm and stuff. But um, what he did that was of particular note to us was go on to join the Black Mages with uh, Nobuo Uematsu oh, wow. and okay. play keyboards. So he is the he is the actual keyboardist and one of the arrangers for Black Mages. Um, and so so that's like a really cool thing. So that was the thing that I thought was so awesome based on, you know, the the, the baseball song, you know, with the, that composer like going on to do so, so much more. Um, and, and, you know, uh, Fukui did a bunch of work where he arranged a lot of stuff. He arranged quite a few songs for the PS3 era Final Fantasy games. Um, didn't compose, but he arranged. So um, I love those those facts about that soundtrack. But really, though, you mentioned how cool the look for Einhander was, right? Like yeah. the, how sleek the ships were and everything was this glowing iridescent, you know, like purplish blue and uh, cityscapes were beautiful in the background. And what was important about Einhander for me is this was the first like bullet hell game that I ever played. And I, um, so I have trouble with focusing at work and I did when I was in school and this was the first game that I like, I obsessively, the day that I started playing it, it was the day that I beat it. Like I played it from beginning to end and I, I have a really hard time focusing. Right. And I found games like I, Einhander through Einhander. So I started playing your Radiant Silver Guns and your, um, you know, your, your, your um, Gunbird, which just got released on Switch and is awesome. And then your Ikarugas and R-Types and, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, you you name it. And, and, and uh, Panzer Dragoon. And I found out, like, I, I absolutely fell in love with these games. And I'm, by the way, I'm tragically bad at them. I'm absolutely terrible at them, but I'm obsessed with them very privately. I like, I don't, I don't really talk about it much. And I realized as an adult that if I have like a particularly terrible day at work or like, I really need to focus, I'll pull up like a bullet hell game on my phone and watching those patterns and looking for Cause what, what you do in those games is you don't look to shoot things. You look to avoid the bullets, right? Like yeah. you're, you're avoiding the bullet curtain. So like, it really helps me kind of, it's soothing, right? It's like this Zen mode where you just it focus is. on, or to be as an adult like i felt like one thing we could talk about that would be cool to hear is like is there anything that you see as an adult 
that your tastes in gaming as a child kind of informed, right? Like, cause I was thinking about this and I was like, man, I'm, I, this is big talk. This isn't small talk. Like I want to hear what these guys have to say about this. So like, give me an example of like, say music that influenced my taste, like in general, like, cause I'm trying, I think I get asked. Or are you saying, saying gaming experiences that maybe like, uh, uh, changed how we approach things as adults? Or, or just kind of like you see yourself in it. Now, you know, your, your present tense, like what I see in myself now is like, I know that um, I have these certain things that I have to do throughout my work day to keep myself focused and stay on top of my time management because I work in a pretty fast paced environment. So I look at it now and I'm like, oh, I started paying attention to these bullet hell games because I could yeah. focus on these patterns and kind of quiet my mind because my mind's always running unless I'm focusing on like a pattern. Yeah. So it, it was kind of, I see it now, the key is turning now, you know? I guess I can kind of relate to that then because I I typically am a big fan of like I do like a lot of data analysis type stuff and the idea of trying to like find like spot patterns and things and a lot of that yeah, probably yeah. stemmed from like my love of puzzle games growing up because that was always a big thing about me like I like seeing like large block combinations of things like okay I got to figure out how to get to the from the bottom to the top as fast as possible what right. is the pattern are you a puzzle through? fighter guy oh yes but also no <laughs> <laughs> uh, puzzle fighter and I have an interesting history together I was really I thought I was really good at it. I was kicking the tar to all my classmates in college and I went to NecoCon R and entered a puzzle fighter tournament and this little child who claimed to have never played the game before <laughs> did this freaking 99 block drop combo on me like i can't even stop that like what am i supposed to do here so oh like, you got roasted oh i got super <laughs> roasted i'm like are you telling me you've never played this game? I was like i've never played before I was like i hate this game yeah, that's, that's i don't know what you with, did kid but you cheated one thing with puzzle fighters like you can act like uh, accidentally muddle your way through into something great but you can't count on that you know well this kid accidentally muddled his way through and it broke me and I was like, you know, I think I'll stick with Magical Drop 3. <laughs> Thank you very much. But I still go back and play Puzzle Fire every once in a while. But, like, I'll never claim to be good at it because yeah. this child 99 blocked me. Well, I love what you said about uh, bullet hell shooters and, and really um, drawing your focus and attention into it. As I got into that, uh, I guess around in my early 20s, I started playing Strikers 1945, Strikers 1945 oh, Plus. Yeah. Um, and then I started falling into um, games I still have on my Dreamcast, the Giga Wing series, Giga Wing 1, 2, Gunbird. Um, and now I'm into, I'm going back into the cave games. I'm playing like Tudanpachi oh, okay. um, and um, uh, 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 Mushihime. Mushi I can't stuff. think of the name yet, Bug, Bug Princess. Um, and I'll, I'll go back to them only every once in a while, like when I really feel like just, because like those games are designed to repeat, like they're short. And you're, and you're not supposed to, you're not to force, if you're playing for score. You're, you're, it's not designed for you to continue, hit, continue, hit, continue. You're just designed to play over and over again to get it through one credit, so that your score stays consistent throughout the whole game and consistently right. grows up. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that description because I'll be playing it like on the TV, and my wife will come over and be like, "This looks like the most stressful thing in the world," and but I'm like, "That Zen state." Man. I'm like, "Yeah, like you just, you, I don't know. Like I, I feel like if you lose, you you know you start over, and that's that's part of the experience." But as an adult, for me, like a big part of my gaming experience was falling in love with Dance Dance Revolution um, and music games in general. And now as an adult, I am really like a lot of like, I don't know, like what happened, but like a lot of my life is focused on like physical fitness and running and, and, and marathons and all this stuff. And and lately, all I want to do is just go back to that game. So I think that really getting into that, you know, quitting smoking 
really to improve. At a game, yeah. It was a huge motivation for me to, to quit smoking at the time. And then um, now it's like as an, as, as an adult getting older, like it's really helping me um, uh, physically and it's helping me mentally. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stay into it because why not? You know, um, so that, that's a that's a big part for me. I got that's it. what I'm talking about, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. I got an odd question, though. Am I the only one who, well, reasons why I shouldn't have a license, but am I the only <laughs> one that uh, feels as though it was through things like these bullet hell games and the like that you can be stuck in traffic and you spot yourself trying to spot yes. patterns in the traffic? Okay, if I go to this speed, I can shoot, I can zigzag oh, through this sure, set of cars uh, and just like rip You're froggering real hard, for sure. You're froggering real hard. I seriously do that, especially when I'm like trying to get somewhere quickly. Like, it's like, I'm like, okay, get to 70 uh, and just start jucking through cars safely, not not jerkishly, of course. Well, I have I have a pick later on that's going to, I think, goes along with what you had just talked about, um, Adam. But, Pranav, we're up to, you're up to your pick now, right? Oh, yes, sir. All right, what you got? This track is from a game that more people should know of because I loved it. <laughs> and it's called Yoshi's Woolly World. And the track title is called Across the Fluttering Dunes. And it's composed by Tomoya Tomita, Misaki Asada, and Kazumi Totaka. Welcome back. You're listening to Across the Fluttering Dunes from the game Yoshi's Woolly World, composed by Tomoya Tomita, Misaki Asada, and Kazumi Totaka. You cannot listen to this track and not get some hop to your butt. Oh, man, that's a I just, smile, oh, yeah. smile track immediately. Yes, yeah. like, I walk to this. Like, when I go for walks, yeah. this is one of those tracks that ends up in the rotation. It's <laughs> like, it's like, twee, twee, wee, like, guy gives you, like, a mean look in the street. You just look back and wait, like, hey, man! <laughs> Doesn't matter. Can't break. Almost said that. Like, like, 
that like sitcom vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. Hey, we, man. We actually, have we had an episode of like like that was like sitcom opening themes? No. We've talked about that because we run into like a lot of tracks that are like, oh, okay, this is the opening to Full House. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a hilarious theme episode, like sitcom. Uh, sitcom uh, yeah, it was uh, it was with a uh, Cameron Childs from the Mad Gear. We did um montage music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so freaking awesome. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Could I shout out the Mad Gear right now? I love those dudes. Oh. Cameron is like the nicest dude in the Isn't world. Isn't he though? Yes, they're so awesome. I love I love that they have horns in their band. It's it makes yeah. it like, so cool. He is a genuinely friendly yeah. guy, and there has been at yeah. least two situations in, like on like social media where like we were completely out of context of like video game music and stuff, and his his good guy isms <laughs> clearly showed through. It was like you're not an act at all, man. You're legit. Yeah, he's a real. He's he's just he's a real amazing. He's a certified good boy. Yes, he is. He's a real American hero. (laughs) But if you ask him, he's a certified bad dude. So that's what we'll go with. Oh, I love that. I love the the personas they gave themselves. (laughs) They have a. So uh, do they. uh, They have like a Facebook group that's called like the gym. No, it's called the alley behind the gym where we smoke cigarettes. (laughs) I I may or may not be a member of that. I need to become a member of that group. (laughs) It's like, yeah, we're bad. We smoke cigarettes. So, like, this track has a weird hit of nostalgia for me, I'll admit, but I thought it was still an interesting one to tell on the show just because I think there's some humorous to it, too. Mm. So, once upon a time in my life, I had a girlfriend. And during that time, that was probably one of the few times in my life where I got to experience that thing that some do where you're trying to get someone else into your hobbies and interests. So, she didn't play a lot of video games. That's not from, like, she had members like GoldenEye or whatever. Mm -hmm. But... When she came to visit once, I had just gotten Yoshi's Willy World. And I'm like, you have to play this. It makes everybody happy, and it's really easy. (laughs) You you can't fail. She was not good at this game. And there was just this, like, level of, like, okay, now, like, when I teach games, or I want to explain something, I don't want to give away the tricks. I want you to kind of be like, okay, something about this screen is weird. Can you find it? And it would always be like, no, I, I'm just here. I'm just. Going, I guess I just jump. I was like, no, something else. Maybe a piece of string sticking out of the wall. You're I don't doing like know. a blues clues situation. Well, that's obvious because you don't want to give the answers away, yeah. you know. But like, what it what this ended up teaching me as an experience is that I feel like when we all play games mm-hmm. on our own a lot, or for around like-minded folks that play games, we kind of feel as though. The, in, uh, how how to play the games, the intricacies behind the rules and the methods of how to play our games, it's just kind of there with us now. Like, oh, well, I can't recall yeah. where it came from. There's a, there, it's almost like a, it's like a language, right? So when it's a, I, I was, I was actually thinking about this recently. We were, we just watched this um, amazing, just to completely derail it. Uh, there's a, a show on Amazon called mm-hmm. Sneaky Pete, mm-hmm. which is incredible, um, and the way it tells a story. Is, is almost movie-like, but it's almost like a, an entire movie told over, like, 12 little movies. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think, like, you sit down in front of a movie, and you know what to expect, right? There's going to be an arc, or there's 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 kind of a the way around. Even moment, if it's, a, like, more but... of experimental or off the wall, like, you kind of know what you're in for, you, you know what to expect, and your brain is processing it that way. But you've been watching movies a very long time. Yay! But we've been playing games a very long time, and there's, there's almost a language there that the developers and the game designers are like, okay, this is how we're going to show you how to move on to the next thing. That I think we take for granted. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because playing with her and seeing that, like, 
these things that usually just would click for me with no problem at all. And I would see her yeah. just like kind of struggle to find it. I'm like, is this because I've been playing games for so long? Right. Is this how that works? Right. It was my first time truly seeing what years of game playing did for me versus lack of years of game playing what resulted for someone else. And what it's done to my body. <laughs> I'm 31 <laughs> years old. Uh, <laughs> I am but a shambling husk of a man. <laughs> but it was like an, that's like an interesting memory of mine. Like I still have it there where it's like, oh, yeah. like come on. I you didn't know, know that. If you eat the thing, you can poop out yard. <laughs> you can throw the yard at the guys. Come on, that's what he does. He's a dinosaur. He eats things and poops. You know, like, yeah, it's... And everyone everyone responds to media in, in different way, too. Everyone responds to music differently. And um, and if you didn't if you didn't have this formative um, um, experiences learning that language, I feel like, you know, it helped maybe... It, it, sometimes it'll help to already know the rules. Mm-hmm. So, like, sports games, for instance, like uh, like Mario Tennis. Is yeah. a great one to get into. Anything golf-related is always awesome. Mm-hmm. Or has golf mechanics, like uh, with the Kirby... Kirby's, uh, Kirby's Dream Course. Kirby's Dream Course. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Dark right? Cloud 2. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, like, despite all the frustrations that came from the attempt of teaching and stuff, I still hold that memory fondly because it was an enjoyable thing. It was nice to be like, here's me trying to impart my experience onto another person. Yeah, you still want to share it. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice thing to share. All right, so I, I'm going to play a track that's um, it's not for anyone else. <laughs> It's not for you. It's just for me. It's just for um, him. And I would say that this this game is the sequel to the game that got me into bullet hell games. And that is Robotron. So 2000. Robo- yeah, Robotron 2000. Um, it was like a midway game in the arcade. And it, it was uh, Smash, Smash TV was based off of it, where it's just swarms of enemies coming at you. It's a twin stick shooter before twin stick shooters was ever a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, twin dials, right? Yeah, twin joysticks. Oh, it was twin twin sticks? I thought it was dials. No, two joysticks. Um, and you, in the further you get into this game, you're not focusing on the enemies. You're focusing on how to dodge, mm-hmm. um, and you're and you're prioritizing what you're what you're hitting with. So I fell into this high school. I got into classic games. I had an emulator emulated version of this game. And I just I just played it constantly. I was just obsessed with it. Okay, so Robotron X or for the PlayStation, or Robotron 64 for the N64 came out, and it's 3D-ish, yeah, kind of hard like... to follow, and the music is bonkers. It's the only term I could use for it. Well, so we're all going to find out. Yes, so to preface this, the composer is Aubrey Hodges, and Aubrey Hodges, um, he composed the music for Doom for the PlayStation, and I think a couple other versions of Doom. And during that time, he had brought on a guy named Techno Man, a.k.a. Danny Lewis, who designed some of the stages for Doom. And he said, hey, why don't you come on? I've heard your techno music. You're doing some crazy stuff. We have this hidden level in Doom called uh, Club Doom. And I heard this on um, Michael Bridgewater's uh, podcast, the Forever Sound version. And it's, it's straight up Gabber music. It's hardcore Gabber. And it's actually a track they threw into Doom? Yeah, and it's hidden in the game. And it is insane. And I I used to love this type of music when I was in high school because it was like techno and it was hardcore. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm tough and into techno. And it's like crazy. And it's also Robotron. So um, Aubrey Hodges and Techno Man work together on this soundtrack. And it's all crazy. It's 20 tracks of insane Gabber beats from hell goodness. This we're only is, listening to one of them, right? We're only listening to one of them and probably not all of it. This is called Robot Is My Name from Robotron X for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Aubrey Hodges and Danny Lewis. 
Listening to, you're listening to Robot is My Name from Robotron X for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Aubrey Hodges and Danny Lewis. So yeah, this is a this is a crazy one. <laughs> oh yeah, this is really ridiculous. Couldn't, couldn't it be any more different from uh, Yoshi's Woolly World. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was that was awesome. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's interesting that. I got, the first time I've ever heard Gabber music was from the game Poppin' Music 10. There was like a Gabber song in that game. And as I listened to this track, I felt like there were extremely, extremely similar beat patterns between the two songs to the point where I could actually interject like the random song 
Trump sound that comes in that track into this one and not miss a beat. <laughs> the um, yeah, one of the big differences, like with like that hardcore Gabber sound, was like the the kick drum is always like heavily distorted, and in that Club Doom track, it really is. And there's a section where like it actually the the tempo keeps increasing and increasing and increasing, and it's just like it's really nuts. Um, but yeah, I used to have a couple uh, 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 like compilation CDs of that time. I think a, a lot of these these uh, these these um, record labels would do that. They would release these compilation CDs. And I would find them at like Borders Books or Sam Goody, and I would just eat them up. And this one, this one came out, and it was called like um, Gabber, the Beats from Hell. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And it had like a bunch of like whips and chains on the cover. And I was like, yeah. And it was just really just that heavy distorted kick drum and a whole bunch of um, voice samples from Blade Runner, <laughs> just like over and over again. Um, I'm reintroduced to this music again. It's called. Have you heard of Speedcore? I have heard of Speedcore. Yeah, it's very much like Gabber, but instead of um, instead of <laughs> instead of movie samples, it's generally anime and adult anime samples, like cut and chopped, and then like a really weird hip hop breakdown section, and then more adult anime samples, and then <laughs> back into like the madness. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I listen to a lot of that playing ITG, uh, Stepmania. Just because you know, the harder the songs are, the faster they are, and the longer they are. I was just reading about this yeah. Club Doom bit, where yeah. apparently they say it was in Doom Two. Was it Doom Two? It was Doom Two. Okay. They say it's on the PlayStation, the Saturn versions, oh. and the idea is that you start the map, and you walk in, and it plays like a normal stage theme, but then you reach a certain door, yeah. and you open it, it changes to this track. Yeah, it's like a secret within a secret. Yeah, and it just sounds like such a weird idea. It's like, it's like the walls have like the Williams logo strewn across yeah, it. Yeah, it's so strange that, like, it was like, I think they were friends or something, but, like, this guy was doing music for other games, but he was really just doing level design for Doom. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Like, and they were like, hey, you're crazy. Come on, do this one song. You um, ever heard of Gabba? <laughs> uh, so, Adam, I'm, I'm curious then. Did you have any experience with the Robotron or Robotron series at all? Uh, uh, to like shooters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played that and uh, the Smash TV stuff I played a lot more. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a Robotron machine near me, but I did play it at uh, Pinball Pete's in Ann Arbor. Because um, I'm from Michigan. Well, so I've been there our- before. Yeah, yeah, it's like the best arcade I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, it's great. Oh, wow. It's a beautiful place, man. It really is. Yeah, that's. I've never actually played on a, on a, an actual cabinet before. I've only ever oh. played it on the computer, and it's amazing because like there's no soundtrack to it uh, because it's such such, a, such an older style game. There's no music that plays through it. But so like when it when they decided to change it and make it 3D and, and modernize it, like like this was the sound of Robotron. <laughs> like like this is like oh god, this, right. this is what it would be, right? <laughs> go kill some cat yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go with some techno violence. That sounds sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, techno violence is definitely what it is. Are you at all? Do you listen to breakcore at all? Um, a little bit, a little bit. Okay. I, my I, the older I get, the less uh, patience I have for some of the noisy stuff. Yeah. Um, I only ask because I, I I I'm part of a group in Chicago here uh, called Bit by Bit, and we we host like digital artists and like we have like installations and stuff. But we have like a bunch of breakcore and chip tune and like hardcore cool. artists come through and play for us. And oh, uh, I, I VJ for them a lot. So oh, like absolutely. we have Sasquatch in Chicago, and he's like our breakcore oh, champion. In so all I thought honesty, if yeah, you yeah, have any details on that, please pass along because I actually have some friends in Chicago that might be interested in checking that out. Okay, I'll reach out to you after the podcast. That'd be awesome. Cool, thanks. All right, so we're going to turn this last track down, and we're going to get into the part of the show we call the bonus round. (sighs) Bonus round. 
You're just relieved that song is over. <laughs> well, no. No! <laughs> Not like that. Well, the bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes and arrangements based on our theme. But when we have guests on, we like to have them show off, you know, show off their flair. Would you like to talk about your flair? We got some flair. <laughs> How many? 12, 13, 11. So we've got, some, so we have some <laughs> the uh, minimum amount. Yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be, um, you can't be sparing with your flair. You gotta, you gotta be um, open with it. So we have um, all these new tracks from your brand new album. And I thought maybe we can give our listeners a little taste of what's out there. Um, so, out of all the tracks, do you have one that you might want to play and share? Uh, if I had a, if, if I was the only say, I would say we need to play Dancing Mad. I feel like we have to, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you both say. All right, so this is. I think, I think we got a winner. All right, yeah. All right, so this is Dancing Mad from this is uh, Final Fantasy VI, right? Yeah. Correct. All right, let's check this out. This is Dancing Mad from. Night of the Round. The best villain in the series.
So the only part you didn't ultimately end up doing is the, the just the part where like the final battle component kicks in, right? Like, yeah, it's like the the really proggy yeah. part. Yeah. yeah, we're too far removed from like Dream Theater to even try to do something. <laughs> like All right, you've been listening to Dancing Mad from Night of the Round. Guys, that was an incredible arrangement. Yes, it was. And probably one of the heaviest songs we've ever played on our show. Like <laughs> Thank that. Thank you. That felt good. As the kids say, that slaps. That's gnarly <laughs> in a or, totally or, radical way. As we would say, it slams. It slams. slams. Does it also jam in its own way as well? Hey, man, whatever's groovy. <laughs> Wait, gnarly! If, if you guys play primar- primarily Final Fantasy music, you gotta say, this track summons. <laughs> oh, mercy. Summons. <laughs> Oh man, uh, that's kind of I don't know. We're gonna figure, hey, figure can't win them all. We're gonna figure this out by the. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, so can you, uh, can you tell us maybe a little bit like how like went into went, what went into the arrangement of this and and um, together as a group, like who made some of the the the, the main decisions on um, where the track was gonna go and. Yeah. So uh, dancing mad was like one of the songs that we've been like hounded from fans and just from listeners in general to like, why don't you guys do dancing mad? Or why don't you guys do one winged angel? Uh, you know, those, those two songs are the, the two that we've probably heard, you know, heard that the most. And I don't know. It, I never really like seriously considered it because it, it's 17 minutes long (laughs) (laughs) and it's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, but, um, I don't know. We kind of got a bunch of, you know, song ideas together for the new album and we figured that this was the best chance to, you know, like if there's ever a a time to try to do dancing mad, it was now. So, uh, I think I had three songs written for the album, maybe four songs written for the album at this point. And then I just started toying with it. And I like this song, I kind of knew that the only way we would be able to do it our way would be to like you know not follow the traditional structure mm. the the whole you know symphonic piece we'd have to kind of break it apart and do it our way well sweet merry uh, christmas because you <laughs> broke it apart very well and we were all the benefactors of yeah, that breakdown i do i do like how you've utilized some kind of synthesizer or some kind of sampling sort of in the background like that the the guitar and then the, the bass and the drum arrangement still hitting Super oh yeah, hard. We, but there's still a little bit of that kind of going on in the background, and it's just like carries it. It's so cool. And the funny part, yeah. is we were joking earlier. You were saying like, I was like, oh, the only part you can get is the very end of it. He's like, yeah, because he's like, we're not, we're not messing with the dream theater style of getting proggy. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, that just means at the end of the day, like your fifth or sixth album, you might be like, look, guys, you didn't think we could do it? Yeah, that last part. Here of that you song, go. Though, Dancing def- matter is definitely fire too. How yes. does that work? Thank, thank oh, God. Does that work for me? That track, Firaga, my friend. It was Firaga. Firaga. Yeah. <laughs> that track summons all the aeons to the yard. Yeah. That was Bahamut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There, 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 no Spoonie Bart was behind the making of that track. <laughs> right. but oh, I got man. It. We went all in on this one. Yes, we one, did. 100 nobles were impressed. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, if you want to find links to this album, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to um, their website, their band camp, and where you can 
purchase the full album and have your entire body set on fire. 1,000 needles. 1,000 needles. <laughs> Acupuncture party. Okay, I want to thank you for joining us on episode 15-5 of Rhythm and Pixels. Our look, our, our, our kind of our, our deep dive into nostalgia and memory memories and video game memories with Night of the Round, Justin and Adam. Thank you both for coming on the show. Anytime. Love to do it again. You guys Yeah, this is a, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. We had a lot of fun too. Yeah. We were saying earlier, this is probably one of our latest running episodes and I can't speak for Rob, but I'm awake. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's 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 getting later for us, and we're like, yeah, this was this was fun. Like, I'm we're, energetic. We're ready to record another show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think work would kill me tomorrow if I did that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, can you maybe tell our, our, our listeners where you can find the album and maybe where your guys are playing next? Yeah. So uh, the album just came out. Uh, it's available on all streaming platforms. Um, we prefer the Bandcamp purchase <laughs> it helps us a little more but yeah. what we're happy we're happy as long you know as long as uh, people are supporting what we do uh um but yeah so uh night of the round.com um has a then has a link to our band camp which is night of the round.bandcamp.com um facebook you know instagram where all the all the cool stuff all the good stuff that's right that's these right days all the sweet potatoes <laughs> yeah, we are actually playing MAGFest this year. So if this is your first time hearing us, feel free to come check us out at MAGFest if you're going to be there. Spoiler alert, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> and and it, to the listeners, if you guys find us through this podcast, like let us know on Instagram or something like we'd love to know that. That would be pretty. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. I'd love to hear about that, too, honestly, because yeah, the one thing, the big reason me and Pernell do this show is just to share our love of game music and to bring forward artists that we like too, like arrangers and remixers and, 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 exactly. and other bands. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Like it's one of the things where it's like, if someone outright says, hey, I never heard about this band until you guys talked about it, and now I listen to them all the time. That feels good to yeah, hear. Yeah, that does feel good. Because um, it's like, yeah, I love that. Now you love it too? That's great. You know, yeah. it's just good music just getting out there. Um, well, speaking of other things I like to convey to other people, was, this uh, is a perfect episode for that with these two guys. Best Final Fantasy and least favorite Final Fantasy. I was Fantasy. gonna say, yeah, before we go, what is everyone's favorite Final Fantasy? I'm gonna let Justin go first on this. Because uh, I have no problem so, with this. Yeah, see this is this is really hard for me because um I have a really hard time deciding between seven and eight. Uh, but this is personal favorite. This is not I'm not by any means saying that they're the best in the series. Yeah, it's just um, of course. Like, oh yeah, we're not but we're, we're, you know, seven, authorities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seven had the biggest impact on me, you know, like I, like I, like I had uh, talked about earlier. Um, but there was something about eight that I liked more than seven, and I don't even know what it was. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I have to say a tie. But if I had to choose, I'd say seven. All right. And least favorite. Least favorite. I do least too. See, I haven't played like the online ones, so I can't really speak to those. But um, from the ones I have played, I mean. I'd say the obvious choice would be like two, because mm -hmm. I probably played played the least of two. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I guess I'll roll with that because I, I really don't hate any of them. You know, I, I well, really enjoyed. Well, that's one thing like, worth mentioning, though. I think it's interesting, which is also why I like to always phrase one of oh, his least favorite, because yeah, a lot of people tend to think that to dislike, like to think of something as the lowest on the right. tier means you dislike they it. Like, hate it. Where's right, your least right. favorite episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I like all of them. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right, right, right. But one's got to be the least, you know? But, yeah. Like, what's your least favorite jelly bean? Yeah, I like all the jelly beans. I like all the jelly beans, yeah. but my least favorite eh, licorice? I don't know. <laughs> Two or thirteen. Let's let's put it that way. All right. Because I I did I did enjoy thirteen quite a bit also, but if I had to choose, you know, at least I could totally understand that. Uh, for me, <laughs> I would say uh, the worst Final Fantasy game and my least favorite Final Fantasy game. That's right. I'm, I'm the one drawing the line Double in the sand, damn. but I'm not going to make any enemies here uh, is uh, World of Final Fantasy. Um, I haven't absolutely played that yet, but now it. I'm afraid. It's sitting Man, on my on shelf. Paper, dude, on paper, it is so for me. I'm like Mr. Pokemon, you know, like I'm super grindy JRPG guy. I'm I'm up to my eyeballs in Octopath Traveler and I'm not even done with the first chapter of it. Like, I think all my characters are like over level 40. You're supposed to be like 22 when you finish the first chapter. Like, I am a grinder, but World of Final Fantasy was just miserable to me. It, was, it, it didn't make any sense. Um, I liked the art style. That was it. That was the one where you stacked the little chibi Final Fantasy characters on top yeah. of each other, right? How can that yeah. be that? <laughs> well, dude, I'm telling you, man. Like anybody in the band will tell you, I'm the dude who wear like I wear lavender T-shirts when we're not playing shows. You know, like I am. I am very into cutesy, like weeabooish moe anime stuff, chibi stuff, and and Final Fantasy World of Final Fantasy wasn't even cute enough to keep me interested. And I was like, oh my god, that's a bad sign. Crap, I have to um, that up this week. I, I. I, to hear that, like I'm not even dismissing it because I can't, I have no place in it. I've never no, touched no. it. But to hear that as being so far down the total pole, and you denote it worst, you didn't let it fly. <laughs> I have to find out. I ha- I have yeah, you, to boot it up. You gotta at least play it, man. Because you know what? Maybe you'll like it. I I actually know a few people who really enjoyed it, but it's just I don't know what it was. It wasn't for me. But I'll tell you what was for me. Yes. The greatest video game of all time. Final Fantasy Tactics. This yeah, dude, this yeah. dude, this is this is like I see you're a man who loves quality too. That's great. All right, for now, what about you? What's your least favorite? Well, I'm going to stick with the main lines here, here. Otherwise, Tactics would probably be topping the ball here for me too. Mm. But um, my least favorite, we know where this is going. Rob does. So it's a combination uh, of either Final Fantasy two, even though I like that they try to do different things with the attacks and stuff. Sure. And Final Fantasy VIII yeah, yeah. is probably my leaster. Uh, for me, eight's pretty high. I know. I think that is for quite a few people. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I am in the minority for disliking eight. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I think no, I think you're in the majority. It, eight, I've come to learn, you know, because we, we, we do get to talk about this with a lot of people, and eight is a total love or hate mm-hmm. game. Like I do yeah. like an RPG panel at Anime Con sometimes. I remember one year I did one at a convention at Anime Central in Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my friends was in the audience. Her name is Renee. She's actually one of the people that got me into the Castlevania kit that recently I've been on. Yeah, and uh, she loves Final Fantasy like to death. 
And during the panel, I was being really eccentric and boisterous. So I was like, what's your least favorite Final Fantasy? like, Final Fantasy VIII is garbage. It's the worst Final Fantasy I have ever played. And she stood up and said, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. It's the best game ever. What do you hate about it? And it became this, like, borderline theatrical oh performance. Because you she don't was know serious. what you're talking about. That's, like, my was, favorite response. Yeah, she was, like, yeah. on fire. I was like, whoa, did not expect that. But this is kind of fun now. But, um... Like, I genuinely feel like there are definitely positive components to it, too. It's just there's some things that just never clicked for me. Well, I would, I would say, what, like, tactics does fit in, like, the mainline series. Every game, they were always trying to do something different or trying to expand on something. There was never, like, a... There haven't been many direct sequels. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, like, typically, your spawn, even though they're not direct sequels, it's still one, two, three, four, five, and then Twilight yeah. Detective was like, here's this sub-game we're messing with here. Yeah, yeah. So, because, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like if yeah. I did that, I'd be cheating, because tactics <laughs> would definitely... I agree with them wholeheartedly. Tactics is, like, the top dog, but... You're calling out our guests on cheating. Look at that. Well, hey, it's a positive <laughs> cheat. I support that game wholeheartedly. Well, and I never specified the rules. Yeah. Um, but my favorite is all has always been a toss-up between 4 and 6, Yeah. Um, with a slight honorable mention to 12, because while I couldn't care less about the plot... Oh, it's 12? We talked about this. Man. Yeah, it's 12. all about that Gambit system, yeah, man. Gambit system. I love Gambit, Gambit system. Gambit system was awesome, but 12 had... See, I think that was the only redeemable factor. I agree. Which which did make it a good game. Don't like I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, oh. but I think the plot and the characters were just... Lacking. Yeah. The, way the, lacking. The music and that Gambit system kept me... Th- I, I finished it. I didn't think I would play through it. Yeah. Like, it kept me interested in the game. But yeah, there was, the rest of it was like a little dull for me. So that's almost my, my bottom my bottom one. Actually, it probably would be if you wouldn't count my actual least favorite, which is the most recent mobile game, Brave Exvius. Oh, dear lord. Which is just... Hey, you. We, I know we know you... Speaking of nostalgia, though. Hey, we heard you guys like old Final Fantasy games and dungeon crawling. You want to do that <laughs> for money? Well, it was yeah. like, the dungeon crawl is... I don't know why. There's no challenge to it. You just click and it's done and then you open up boxes of characters and then you click and it's done. And then you know it's I, never done. You so spend that money. I have more a, boxes of characters. I have a feeling this game just isn't for me. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. for somebody else. That's, yeah, that's I mean that, that gotcha game. game thing is just yeah, like my. You know, I have some friends who are into games like that. And to be fair, you know, Pokemon Go is barely just not that. You know, right. like I'm I'm spending an embarrassing amount of money as a 32 year old man on Pokemon Go. But you know, hey, it's tempting. Like when I gave up Pokemon Go, they were just starting to step into the true moneymaker stuff. Like, oh yeah, eggs were there when I played, but. I didn't feel like I cared about them as much to go out and buy yeah. incubators, but then the raids became a thing. <laughs> well, the people playing now are like, they're sticking with it, so... Well, it's not just that they stick yeah. with it, it's that they literally added more things mm-hmm. that would cost you money. Like, the raid passes, if I'm not mistaken, you gotta buy raid passes, right? No, you can get them uh, by playing the game naturally. It's just if you want, like, more than more than a natural amount of them in a short amount of time, you have to pay for it. That's what I mean, like, or that's you- how they all do, like, because the, the raid passes, the incubators... Um, there was like not stardust, yeah, but it's, it's all things that you can generate normally. Yeah, stuff to, to stay competitive that you can generate normally, but really to like be competitive or to like to progress faster than you know. It's like I earned two raid passes and I'm all out, but there's a really cool raid going on right now. If you're gonna play this game for 20 to 30 hours, even if it's only for 20 to 30 hours, don't you think it's worth a little bit of extra money, maybe 20 to 30 dollars? No, I mean. 
I've played Pokemon Go since the day it came out, and I know that this isn't a, you know, we're off on a pretty deep tangent here. But <laughs> That's cool. I've played do. Pokemon Go since the day it came out, man, and, and, and I play it very, very heavily, and I have a lot of friends who are, like, in-game friends with Niantic employees and stuff. Mm-hmm. I really love that game because the thing about Pokemon Go is that, like, yeah, you can spend money and, you know, get caught in that trap, but you can also, like, now they have quests and stuff, and so it's encouraging people to actually go out and do the things that they said that the game was supposed to do in the first place. That so it's, it's weird because I feel like everybody who bailed on it was right to bail on it when they did, but man, did everybody miss out because it's better now than it's ever been. Well, think about it. That's so, like incentive to come back because like someone suggested to me to resume the game. I think it was actually on this show. Someone suggested go back yeah. because I'll be going to PAX Unplugged next month. And there's like, uh-huh. I can guarantee there's going to be a bunch of you gnomes there. Like promotional genomes, you might want to get back into the game before that. Yeah, yeah, they're really trying to get, and it's cool because it's it's sort of building that that community through this virtual world. And that's why I liked it yeah. so much back when I when I was playing it. Like I enjoyed walking around my neighborhood and seeing people walking around my neighborhood doing the exact same thing I was doing. I liked the fact that I got at ten o'clock at night and see a guy walking his dog. I'm like, oh, what brings you out? He's like. Man, Pokemon Go. Normally, I don't want to walk the dog, but now the girl's like, aren't you going to walk the dog? I'm like, see you in 40 minutes. Now, <laughs> right now I look forward to walking the dog because I want to walk around and catch Pokemon. And it was just like, it was such an amazing, amazing summer to be around so many people who played Pokemon. Even people that didn't give two hoots about the main yeah. games, they were into Pokemon Go. Well, that's cool. It's almost yeah. like because it became like that kind of summer fad almost like because like a lot of people of course a lot of people will get into it because it's new and it's kind of popular at the time but they probably wouldn't normally play a game um it kind of gave them a boost right you know yeah. it kind of brought people into it and people who stuck with it like you said now have like so much more into it in fact i'll be honest with, with it, you brother. here because i'm not sure if i even said it on the show before but i didn't actually give up pokemon go because of a lack of interest i gave up pokemon go because of paranoia uh I was playing it back like that that first summer towards the end of the summer. Yeah. And this was before Niantic cracked on like what you could do with your Pokemon your system your game while you're in a car. Mm-hmm. But I used to leave the game running in the passenger seat. Okay. Just like collecting those miles <laughs> while I was driving the car around. And like one day I was driving from Concord Pike to home and I got to the got home and parked the car and yeah. my phone stopped working. Like Pokemon Go like I felt like Pokemon Go crashed my phone. Oh, my oh, phone oh. broke. No, I'm not paranoia of like, of like the like company. The CIA like, is watching, watching me or taking my information down. Like, no, I want them to know where I'm going. I need to collect this. <laughs> like, I don't care. They, they want to see me in the park. Come check me out. But no, it was just the fact that I felt like that was the exact reason my phone broke was the phone running Pokemon Go and shutting down. <laughs> so when I went to the shop and got my phone replaced, and I was like, I'm never installing no, Pokemon yeah, Go like, again. This is, this is the time. This is the cutoff point for Purnell, right? Yeah, but I think you're I would like to try to get the back. bottle for one last time, and you're like, never again. Can't boot you back up. <laughs> no, no more poke, no more Pokemon gym battles for Perny <laughs> here. Let's go. No more Pokeboos for Pernell. Uh, <laughs> but so I may go back. bring it, bring it back. My my favorite, and I think one of the best games of all time is Final Fantasy X. If anybody it's listening to this show ten. is surprised by that, I talk about it enough recently. <laughs> so I'm playing through it again. <laughs> Um, but that's okay. So it's a good like, but man. It's a good like. We're, we're gonna wrap this up. So if you want to get in contact with the show, um, if you have any track suggestions, topic suggestions, or if you're in a band, or, or if you know a band that you'd like us to know about, please send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. Um, if you'd like more information about our show, a full track listing from all of our episodes, access to all of our episodes, and 
links to all of the other stuff that we're doing, such as Purnell's um, other podcast, other family. <laughs> and, I got uh, children in all kinds of and, uh, game, game reviews he's doing and our 24-7 YouTube radio station that plays video game music. Go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com um, You can also see us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all, the, all those places, so social media stuff. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word, usually. Um, most of the conversation seems to be happening around the, the Facebook land. I'm yeah. getting a little better with that with that Discord chat, though. Yeah, there's this, there's Discord out there, too. There's a bunch of stuff going on. Um, and if you'd like to support the show, um, go ahead and tell your friends. Tell people to share it. You know, that, that's the best thing you can do. Pass that word around. It yeah. is the hardest component <laughs> of this whole thing. It's just letting people know that it exists. Yeah, just just, just like, hey, tell you, if, you, know, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, right? Yeah. Um, if someone asks you, hey, you know, how, how's, how's, your, how's, how's, your, how's life doing? You know, how's life after college? You know, maybe you're coming home, you're visiting family. Maybe just you're doing grace this year. The only thing that should be coming out of your mouth is our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say I'm thankful for the food on food in my stomach, yeah. the clothes on my back, for excellent video game music and, podcast. And Robin Purnell. <laughs> well, that would be a little bit much. <laughs> parents are going to have all kinds of questions. Who are Robin Purnell? Why are you thankful for them? If you'd like to uh, support us in other ways, go to patreon.com slash pixels and all the all the support and money and support there goes back into the show, into equipment and into um, hosting and into us going to uh, other conventions and, and promoting our show there. So we also like to thank all of our Patreon subscribers. We'd like to thank Brian Kunkel, Alex the Messenger Messenger, Bobby Arson. Um, we have a new Patreon subscriber, Mark Shrout. Ah, nice. Yeah, from the band Gunblade X. I want to thank Cameron Worma, Camo Worms, Christoph Stenstrom, Damian Beckles, Wicked Sephirothu, OK Impala, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, Henrik Anderson from the amazing Commodore 64 Camouflage podcast which is now um, getting English releases, which is, must be an incredible amount of work on, on Henrik's part. Um, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast, um, whose recent episode on Doom is just fantastic. It's really, really good. Uh, Brian Pitt, Morton Gangso, Chris Murray, and I'm sorry, I'm not playing evil cards against humanity or whatever anymore. Not doing it. You quit. You quit. Um, uh, Solus Sanctuary, Solus 009. Thank you so much. Uh, Joe Vasallo, Chris Steenerson, and David, aka Daniel Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do it. Had, Had to, to do it. it. Had to do it to him. Thank you so much for your constant support. We we do appreciate it. Um, and so that's it. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Purnell. And joining us this week has been Knight of the Round. Thank you both for coming on the show. Hey, hey, no problem. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's 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 been a real pleasure, man. Thank thanks to both of you for having us on. Thanks for coming on, man. It was a pleasure for us, too. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Rhythm and Pixels. Have a wonderful week. And remember, nostalgia is a beast. (laughs) It gets in your head and gets you feeling all bubbly and sunshiny with those great gumball farts that just don't quite go let up. But the challenge is also knowing when to pull out of the nostalgia and appreciating them here and now at the same time. Because, quite frankly, you can't go back. You're going to move forward, but appreciate the now so that you don't regret not enjoying it as you go far flung into the future. Nostalgia pick-me-ups, present-day press-ons. I don't know, nails, something, (laughs) whatever. Have a good night. Good night.